Anyway, all right, so we digress. Let's go into the message. We are in Matthew chapter 24, um, and the title of this morning's message is, Are You Ready? Living Expectantly. So the question is, you know, are you ready? Are you ready for the return of Christ? And are you living uh, a life of expectancy? Not if you're expecting, like Nikki, but, you know, but, but are you living with the expectancy of Christ's imminent return? That He could come back at any moment, at any time, and are we living lives that are ready? Let's start out by reading the first section of what we're studying this morning, Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse, 25, or, uh, verse 15. The abomination of desolation is what we're going over. Matthew chapter 24, verse 15 says, So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the, on the housetop not go down to take what is in his house. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant, and for those who are nursing infants in those days. Pray that your flight may not be in winter or on a Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now. No, and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. For the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Then if anyone says to you, look here, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders. So as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. So if they say to you, look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he's in the inner, inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is there, the vultures will gather. Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand the meaning of these words. Lord, I pray that we would be a people who fully understand that there is nothing beyond our understanding here, Lord, for you have made it very simple for us to see and to uh, acknowledge, to understand, and therefore our response should be living lives that bless and glorify you, that are full of integrity, biblical integrity, that we, we would be uh, glorifying to you and blessing to each, a blessing to each other. And so, Father, we ask, Lord, again, that you would open up our eyes to see what you would have us to see this morning. Lord, help us to understand and apply to our lives to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So, uh, the abomination that desolates is, uh, is a coming event. It hasn't taken place, although there has been an abomination that desolates, and we're going to talk about that. But this is a coming event that will take place once the temple has been rebuilt in Jerusalem and the sacrifices restart. They begin once more, and the Holy of Holies is desecrated by the Antichrist as he will turn the place of worship, the, the place of worship of God, into a place of his worship. I would agree that it is fascinating, wouldn't you agree? to know who the Antichrist may be. Um, it's been said that it could possibly be that the Antichrist is in our midst today. He could be alive and well. And, um, and so it's been said he could be around right now. And it, it is fascinating. You know, who could it be? Do you think it'll be made known who the Antichrist is before the rapture of the church? Those are fascinating questions, but I, you know, if you've been around Refuge for any length of time, you know me to be um, someone who tries to teach as simply as possible the Word of God. I, I don't like to get caught up in all of these um, what-ifs. 
I, I just, I don't have time for that. I don't want to give time to that. I would rather simply read the Word of God for what it is and, and teach you basically what the Word has to say. If that's okay with you, we're not going to get into all these complicated theories that are out there. Is that all right? We're not going to do that. I would agree also that it's fascinating to know when all of this is exactly going to happen. But for the church itself, I believe, and it is the position of this church, that the rapture will happen before this event. At the same time, it is the worst of times, times like we've never seen before and the likes of which will never be seen again by man. That's what we have before us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 9 says this. This is one of the areas of Scripture that we go to to know that we are not going to go through the tribulation itself. That is the church. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. At some point also, I will refer to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, regarding the rapture, because it's with these words that we are to encourage one another. But at this time, we'll focus on what Jesus is saying to those who are with him. He's sitting on the Mount of Olives across from Jerusalem, and his disciples have asked him, how will we know How will we be able to define, describe the end of the age? And so he was telling them exactly how the end of the age will look. Just keep in mind that this this was Jesus with his disciples just days before he is going to the cross to be crucified. A reminder, Jesus is sitting again with his disciples. Can you imagine his days of going to the cross? I mean, his his time of going to the cross is just days away. He's sitting with his disciples. Now, what are his disciples going to get out of this conversation with him? How is it that they will benefit? Think about it. Is it for their sake or is it for our sake? It's for both. Because for them, he's speaking hope. To us today, he's speaking of hope, of being a prepared people, being a people who live with expectancy. It should make a difference in our lives, what he has to teach to us this morning. The purpose of Jesus telling them about these times was not to go live it up either. You know, eat, drink, and be merry. Um, There are, in fact, I remember before I came to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, I was one of those people. Hey, you know what? Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and parrot what the world says. Yeah, life is short. Live it up, right? Live it up. I would do whatever I wanted to do, whenever I wanted to do it, with whoever I wanted. You know, it was just like, it was just, just live and let live. And it was a life of compromise, of living in the world, and it was vain, empty, and unfulfilling. And I can tell you that from experience. And you don't have to experience it in order to, to know that. Sometimes it just, uh, um, it's frustrating when somehow people need to, well, I want to experience the world. I want to go out and see what it's all about. No, you don't. <laughs> you don't need to. Uh, you're just, just going to be a waste of time as you go out and, and try and taste of the world and then come back to the Lord. Who knows that if in between, um, he's going to come back. The point here is, are you ready now? Let me ask you this question as we go into the study. If the Lord was to come back today, are you ready? Do you know that if you were, if this were to be your last day here on earth, that you would spend all eternity in heaven? And how do you know? Think about those questions as we continue in our study in these verses here. Um, we need to, as we reflect on and study these verses here, we need to live, this is how we are to respond. Live faithful lives unto the Lord. Live with spiritual integrity, with knowledge of the truth, and a life that 
reflects an understanding of how to live our lives out to God's glory. And to live with a sense of urgency toward the imminent return of Jesus Christ. Therefore, telling more people about salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So, we should be really inclined to do the work of an evangelist. Tell other people. Do do you know, like, you can ask a, a simple question. Do you know if you were to die today that you will be in heaven for all eternity? Just to ask that question. Too many people are wrapped up in so many other things that they're, they're just putting aside those things, which the, the thing that matters most, and that is salvation. But anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We'll get there. Let's begin with the abomination of desolation and we'll move forward. A time when the Antichrist will set up a system of worshiping himself in the place where God is to be worshipped. So the abomination of desolation, again going back to verse 15, says, So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, and then there's this parenthetical statement, Let the reader understand... So let's first address this. This is an event in the future, but also a prophecy that was given by Daniel about 600 years before Jesus. And now Jesus is referring to it as the sign of the end of the age. So he's pointing back to Daniel, the prophet. Uh, Daniel lived about 600 years prior to Jesus. And he's referring to them. You need to understand this. Daniel 9.27 says, And he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week, and for half of the week he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abomination shall come one who makes desolate, until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. This one week, by the way, is speaking of a period of seven years. One week, it's referring to seven years. There was an event that took place in 167 B.C. when Antiochus Epiphanes, a Greek ruler, set up uh, an, an altar to Zeus over the altar of burnt offerings in the Jewish temple in Jerusalem and sacrificed a pig on the altar, therefore desecrating the sacred place. And of course, this is an abomination that desolated the holy place of God, but it is not what Jesus is referring to here with his disciples. Jesus is referring to another time and in the future. So when Jesus referred to the abomination of desolation that was spoken of by the prophet Daniel, he emphasized one thing. He desired for you to understand, not get all wrapped up in all these Again, theories like, what could that mean? Oh, you'll know what it means. You'll know exactly what is being meant by what Jesus is speaking of here with his disciples. Do not be deceived. Know this. Understand this. Recognize it when it happens. You know, I I love what you said, Modesto. Christianity is simple. We're the ones that complicated. Why? Because we, we want to. You know, in our hearts, you know, we full of the flesh and the world, and we hear the whispers of the deceiver, and we deceive ourselves, and then we try and justify things. Brothers and sisters, that's ridiculous. Our justifying of sin, of compromise, of complacency, of trying to make it more complicated, it just... After a while, it's like, man, isn't it tiring? You know what should really be reflected in our lives? Surrender. Surrender. We're the ones that make it all difficult. Just surrender. Surrender to the Lord, His will, His word. Know it, live it. Walk it out in your life to His glory and you will be blessed. We will be blessed as His people.
Check this out. Some people believe that this, what we're talking about today, actually happened in A.D. 70. You know what happened in in, uh, the year 70? Do you know? The temple was burned down. Jerusalem was destroyed. The Romans, though, failed to do something because they didn't have time to do it. They, They did not sit in the Holy of Holies. Nobody claimed themselves to be God in that place. So it's it's a stretch of the imagination. It's like you got to really work hard to make that all kind of fit in, you know, to where this was a fulfillment of what we have here. Jesus speaking to his disciples on the Mount of Olives. This is what I'm referring to. Sometimes we read these commentaries and we're like, yeah, it could be, it could be, you know. Hey, just read the Word of God for what it is. It has not happened. It'll be super clear when it is happening. He refers to a time as has never been experienced by man up until this point. Not even the days of Noah. Not even the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. We're getting there. We're getting there. But we need to understand that it did not occur in AD 70. There were never any idolatrous images set up in the holy place. And 2,000 years have passed since the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. And as horrible as the times have been in between then and now, the worst, unfortunately, is yet to come. And then the end will come. Let's seek to understand what Jesus was teaching his disciples on the Mount of Olives. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, it says, Let no one deceive you in any way. In some ways, no, not in any way. For that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. We also know that there is a timeline for when this happens. There will be three and a half years left in the tribulation period, beginning with a covenant that is made by the Antichrist three and a half years before that, and brings about world peace. So, world peace, first three and a half years. When you see... I'm talking world peace. No wars, no nothing. No North Korea, no Iran, no no Russia, no... It's just, it's all good. If you're living at that time, well, you missed the rapture, number one. (laughs) Number two, know that you are entering into the tribulation period. There's going to be someone charismatic That'll just win the hearts of the whole world and bring this false peace to every nation. Oh, this covenant will be made with all. Oh, Israel will be at peace. All her neighbors will be at peace. Everything will be good. It's the calm before the storm. In the middle of that, the Antichrist will reveal himself. He will proclaim himself as God. He will sit in that holy place and place where God is worshipped. Let me tell you that the world is ripe for this type of peace. We are going in that direction. And a worship of someone who does bring it? Oh, man, bring him on. Who is he? Right? The world is just going in that direction. Any, anyone? A, anyone offer some peace? In any way, shape, or form? I don't know. Is it, is it in the way of tolerance? Can you imagine? I mean, for now, in the name of tolerance, everything is tolerated except who? You! True Christianity. I'm not talking about compromising Christianity, and I don't even think that that's Christianity at all. True Christianity. Those who 
stand in the truth, who do not waver, do not compromise. Oh, you, you by the way, uh, you are a foul smell of death to the world. And we'll, we'll tolerate everyone else but you guys, us. Not tolerable. Not at all. Stand anyway. Stand in the truth. Because our hope is in Christ. To live is Christ, to die is gain. Stand with Him. Stand firm. And know that in Him we have forgiveness of our sins. I I will never go back on what I did years ago when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, and He forever changed my heart. He gave me a hope that transcends anything that this world can offer. I, you, you, can, you can take the world. You can leave, I'll leave it behind. I'm, I'll gladly leave it behind. I'm looking forward to the day in which I am in the presence of God for all eternity. That's what I'm looking forward to. Daniel stood in that place. Speaking of Daniel, looking back to Daniel, I just went through the book of Daniel. What a wonderful man of God. A man who stood on truth, did not waver, did not compromise. He even had the eyes of kings looking at him. Oh, I pray that your God will deliver you from the clutches, the mouths the, uh, of the lion, you know. Mm. If we could be that. The world is ripe, though. For this type of peace. In Daniel chapter 12 verse 11. And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away. And the abomination that makes desolate is set up. There shall be 1,290 days. Very specific, no? You know how long that is? 1,290 days is equivalent to? Three and a half years. Three and a half years. When this happens, Jesus is warning and instructing everyone in the area of Jerusalem to leave immediately. That's what we have here. Leave immediately. Warnings, instructions are given for Jews and believers. Verses 16 through 28. Yes, Jews and believers of the time. In verse, as we read, verses 16 and on through 28. Speak of a great tribulation period. Verse 20 says, says uh, verse 21, For then there will be, a, be great tribulation, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now. No, and never will be. Wow. Think about this. Of all that we've heard of, all that we've seen, nothing compares to what will be. It will be absolutely unbearable beyond what anyone could ever imagine. Secondly, there will be widespread deception all over the world. It's like if things aren't bad enough, here we're going to have these false prophets and false Christs saying, here I am, here there, uh, in prophets saying, oh, there he is, he's in this place, he's in that place. Don't believe them. Don't, don't believe him. We won't be here, but don't believe him. Don't believe him. If we thought the Antichrist was a master deceiver, we have others who will take advantage during this time and claim that they are Jesus or prophets who say they know where Jesus is. And they will further deceive and cause confusion among those who do believe. There are some who will point to this and say that this means that the church will go through the tribulation. But this simply points to the fact that there will, even at this time, be those who come to salvation in Jesus Christ. That's what this is saying. Church is raptured. Let me ask you something. The restrainer. Is that the church or the Holy Spirit? Okay, so if it's the Holy Spirit, if it's going to be taken off from the, you know, from the face of the earth, how is it that people are going to be drawn into the Lord? 
Isn't that the work of the Holy Spirit? Right? So will the Holy Spirit still be drawing men, people, unto the Lord? That's a question for you to ponder, right? Because sometimes we hear things taught and we're like immediate, right? We say something. Oh, there still be there still will be people who are coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Some will need to be um, martyred in the last days, in these times. Again, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17 refers to a time when the church will be caught up to meet Jesus in the air. This is the rapture, being caught up. And Christ is warning the reader of this gospel... To not be deceived, for this will happen. Don't go anywhere to look for a Christ that someone is telling you they know where He is. Don't go. Jesus knows that people will be desperate because of the amazing tribulation that will be experienced during this time. You know, I don't know if you've ever been in a desperate um, situation. You're just looking for relief somewhere. Have you ever, um, well, felt like you're drowning? Have you, has anyone? Yeah, I have. Uh, deliberately, not by my own hand, right? But you are desperate for anything that feels like it could pull you up. You're, anything, I don't care what it is. Anything. You're just doing this, right? If you've seen anyone that's panicking and in a desperate situation in the pool, in fact, I remember in boot camp, I was just talking to someone about this, how it is that um, it's amazing that some people join the Navy and don't know how to swim. You're going to be floating on water. Deep water. The ocean, right? Because I remember in boot camp, it was, uh, we, we would go to the pool and we would have to um, learn how to, how to float, learn how to float with our clothes, right? Just in case we, something did happen, we could use our, our pants, our shirts, things to help us to float, right? And I remember going and we were on this platform to jump off of and into the pool, the deep end, and then start treading water and then they would tell you what to do, when and how, Right? And so they started telling people, yeah, for those of you who don't know how to swim, just join this group over here. <laughs> Who's here and doesn't know how to swim? It's like, this is wild. And there was a large group that just did go on the other side of the bleachers, and they were instructed, uh, you know, that they may need some remedial swimming <laughs> and to be taught how to swim. And um, there were those who jumped off the platform anyway. And they were told... That if that if if they do are sinking, that they were they will be given a pull. But in that time, if you start trying to pull the instructor in, you you will be given the pull because we will not allow you to pull in the instructor. That's a moment of desperation, and I saw people do that. They they would be given the pull, and man, they were trying, and they, they would they would. Take, take it all. There it goes. All the way down and into the pool. And so then there were safety swimmers and no, nobody drowned. There's moments of desperation where you're looking for anything to help you get out of the situation. That will be this time. Moments of desperation all over the world. Why? Because this is an amazing time of great Tribulation that will be experienced by everyone. Because there will be believers at that time, Jesus explains these things to his disciples. He is replying to their question about the end of ages. He is truth. He's telling them, this is exactly the way things are going to work out. It's for their knowledge, but it's also for the understanding of those who will be experiencing this tribulation period. And so he's speaking forward saying, do not be deceived. This is what's going to be taking place. And by the way, it's obvious 
have you ever seen like an amazing thunderstorm with lightning? Um, I mean, today out in the desert, in the high desert, um, there are some amazing lightning storms, thunderstorms, and you have no doubt when lightning strikes, right? Some of it, um, in fact, uh, just here um, not too long ago, we went out towards the desert, and I saw this, have you ever seen lightning that never touches the ground? You're waiting for the, the crack, the boom, right? And it never comes. I remember seeing it come and just stretch across the sky. And it was like, no, never came. Never came. It just, it, I guess it didn't come down. Some don't come down. It, they go up. The Lord is saying, hey, listen, as clear as you see that lightning stretch across the sky, that's how clear it'll be when I come again. That's how clear. Everyone will know. With the voice of an archangel, with the sound of trump, no, no one will be wondering, you know, hey, what, was, that, was that the Lord or was that the train? <laughs> you know, there will be no wondering. No wondering whatsoever. And Jesus goes on to describe the days immediately following the tribulation leading up to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Verse 29, as we continue, But Jesus answered them, You are wrong because you know neither the Scriptures... Oh, that's a wrong chapter. That was another verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from the end of heaven to the other. Hmm. Joel 2.10, Revelation chapter 6, and also in Isaiah um, in these different sections throughout Scripture, it describes when the heavens will be shaken, the sun darkened, when the Son, Son of Man comes on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Revelation 19.11 says this, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it, is called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. But this speaks of his second coming. And describes a time when he will gather the believers from one end of heaven to the other. And this is the time that is described in Revelation. But Jesus continues. As we have talked about the second coming of Jesus Christ. And he's describing the end days. He's like, this this is the end of the age. This is what it's going to look like. He continues. He doesn't expound on this, but he continues on that it may serve as a word of warning and to make sure that those who experience this are living ready and expectantly. That's what we're going to come to, by the way. That very thing. Because then Jesus makes reference to the fig tree. He goes on from that and then goes right into the fig tree. An illustration that helps them understand that how, and they understood it very well. When you see a fig tree blossoming, And when you see the fruit beginning to show up on a fig tree, you know that summer is near. You know that it's near. And he was teaching his disciples this. It's like, you know this, right? You here on the Mount of Olives, my disciples, Jews, if you have a fig tree, you know when these things happen, you know what what time it is. And so he talks about the fig tree. In verse 32, he continues saying, From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. When you see these these things happening, the the very things that are being described here. The Lord is right there. Right there. 
And he's saying, you have to, you need to learn this lesson. Now, this generation will not pass away. Again, man makes this complicated. Um, you know, some people say, well, well this, this, this people, this nation, the Jews will not pass away before this takes place. Like, what do you, what do you mean? When they were scattered, you know, when... Anyway, I don't even want to get into that. I just want to say that when these things begin to happen, understand what the Spirit is telling the church, okay? When these things begin to happen, this generation will not pass away until everything is completed. The generation that is beginning to experience this, that generation will not pass away until everything is taken care of, done. What's prophesied is completed. It's fulfilled. Why? Because we can look back and, and we can know, no, it didn't happen then. No, no, it didn't happen then. No, it hasn't happened. Uh, and it will happen. Just as the Lord had spoken. It's at this time that things will move quickly. People need to be ready because Jesus is right at the door. Right at the door. It's like his hand is on the doorknob. He's a about to reveal himself. That's what Jesus is telling. That generation. Are you ready? And here's what we come to. Here's what we today need to understand. These last verses in this chapter, verses 36 through 51, is where we need to be. But... Concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Verse 38. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have left, uh, let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. He goes on speaking, saying, Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom, whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, My master is delayed, and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is what we come to. And the question is, are you, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you living with expectancy? There was no immediate need for Jesus to describe the end of age to, to the disciples, to his disciples before him. Because they were not going to experience the tribulation period. Troubled times? Persecution? Martyrdom? Yes. Not this period right here, though. They will not experience the rapture of the church. That comes later. By the way, there's the rapture of the church, and then there's the second coming of Jesus. Um, as you take a look at this chapter and you read through, you can be somewhat confused. It's like, well, wait a minute. I thought there was a second coming, and then, but we were also talking about the rapture, which the Apostle Paul uh, writes to the Thessalonians about, right? Uh, he also talks to, uh, writes to the Corinthians about. You know, which one is it? Is it one or both? Both. Both are here. Right before us. Because this is where we come. This is where we need to be ready. 
Jesus now comes to the point where he is referencing the rapture, what the days will look like at that time, what people will be doing, and what will happen during the rapture in all places around the world. This is what's going to happen. Two people will be in the field. One will be snatched away, taken up. The other will be left. How exactly that's going to look, I don't know. I just want to be with the Lord. I'm I'm not concerned with who... Well, of course, I'm concerned. Right? I'm concerned for their for their eternal salvation. But you know what? <laughs> I'm with the Lord. Thank you. Oh, by, by your grace, right? I am here and in your presence. But the world? Oh, it, it, it's going to be an odd place. Oh, how, how do you explain Tim? You know, <laughs> he was here one moment, gone the next. Uh, I don't know. Aliens? Right? But the world will have some kind of explanation. But the Lord is referring to both. One is the rapture, the other is the second coming of Jesus Christ. And he's describing the days in which that takes place. It'll be a time to where, just like the days of Noah, oh, just life as usual. You have a lot of people who are just really indifferent indifferent toward the Lord, could care less, eat, drink, and be merry, party, go on, do whatever it is that you want to do. What I find disturbing is not so much that the world behaves in this manner. The world will act like the world acts. That's the way the world is. But what is disturbing, highly disturbing, is when the church acts that way. It's like, oh, that's the cool church. That's, that's the one that you go in and it's a concert. It's like amazing, right? You go in and you're entertained. They have everything. Everything. And, and you're, you're fully entertained. You're immersed in it. And it's like, well, that's fine. As long as Jesus is central, the word is being taught without compromise, And they also do not tolerate compromise. Because the church should be holy, set aside, set apart unto the Lord. We should be known for a holiness, a consecration unto the Lord. Not to be kind of like the world and kind of like the church. In fact, my wife and I, we were talking about this, how someone says, you know, someone was saying, uh, explaining to someone else, you know, yeah, you know, I, I, um, I like going to church and all of that, but I'm not too religious. It's like, what, what does that mean? And really what it comes down to when we say those things, and you may have said that, I, I, I'm reli- but I'm not too religious. That, that means that you're not, you're not fully on board. You haven't fully committed your life to Jesus Christ. And you want to appear to the world around you like as if I I fit in with you guys too. Hey, I I just go along with it. And at the same time, you know, I, I like Jesus. He's good on Sundays and every once in a while on special events and things like that. That's being indifferent. That's lukewarm at best. That's living a life of compromise. That's not being completely surrendered to Jesus Christ. You know why? Because you really don't know Him. To be honest with you, because if you knew Jesus, if you knew that you were saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, if you knew the cesspool that you were plucked out of and placed into this place of being having a certain hope in Jesus Christ, oh, you would live your life to Jesus Christ. No doubt about it. You would be convicted. When you say things like that, when you do compromise, the Spirit would convict you. But if you're not being convicted, that means the Spirit may not be abiding in you. It's like half in and half out. No, it's like you're going to be miserable. You're going to be miserable. And by the way, that's a good thing. 
That means that the Lord is not allowing you to go down that path and stay there. That's a good thing. There will be those who say Jesus has been coming forever. Oh, man, there's been generation after generation that said, oh, the Lord is coming soon. The Lord is coming soon. You know, and so they, they go about business as usual, according to the world. In other words, people will hardly give the rapture and being ready a second thought. That's how people will live. The question for us today and this morning, are, are we there today? I think in many ways we are. Noah was a man who warned the world, but no one cared. There are people today who are warning the church and no one cares. Or you're divisive. You're, you know, you just don't know. It's like, no, it's, I, I know the word. It's like we shouldn't be living like that. Should we? No, we shouldn't. Fear and reverence for the Lord. Jesus goes from describing his second coming to talking about the rapture and how that is definitely without warning. It will come without warning. And it will come like a thief in the night. The unbelieving will, the unbelieving will carry on with life as usual, giving Jesus not even a second thought. Others will completely disregard the Lord and will participate in the things that are contrary to what is good, therefore walking in the things of darkness, even mocking God. Those that profess they believe will be known as hypocrites by God, and they will be cast into hell. Um, <clears throat> we were at Victoria Gardens the other night, and I saw this guy walking by, mocking God. Had a shirt that had uh, a picture of like, a, um, I guess a goat, and it said, um, "Satan loves you." Not Jesus loves you, but Satan loves you. That's that's the world mocking God. It's sick, isn't it? To me, it's, it's like, hmm, you know, you're, you're just, you're mocking God. But God, we know God will not be mocked. God will not be mocked. There's no one like our God. No one. I'm thankful that he, he has saved me as I have completely surrendered to him. Are you ready? I want to read to you this because in closing... Uh, because this is, uh, these are the words by which we are to encourage one another. First Thessalonians chapter four verse thirteen says, "But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do, who have no hope." If you've had anyone who has died in the Lord, um, don't grieve as a people who have no hope. They are in the presence of the Lord, and we will one day join them in the presence of the Lord. Verse 14, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring him with him those who have fallen asleep, those who have died. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. These are encouraging words. This is what we have to look forward to. Is when we'll receive our glorified bodies. Amazing. Amazing. That's what we have before us. What does Jesus desire that comes from this knowledge? That we have understanding and live ready and expectantly. The purpose of Jesus telling them about these times was not to go again, live it up as the world does, for the days are short, but rather that they would live their lives faithfully into the Lord, live with spiritual integrity, with knowledge of the truth, and a life that reflected an understanding of how to live it out. And to live with a sense of urgency toward the imminent return of Jesus Christ, therefore telling more people about the salvation of Jesus Christ, they also could be saved by grace through faith in Him. So, what about you? Are you right with the Lord? If you've already surrendered your life to Jesus Christ and you're living in sin, living in compromise, know this. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But we need to humble ourselves before the Lord, confess our sins, and allow Him 
to do to correct whatever is wrong in our lives and then walk in that way walk in spiritual integrity but number two if you've never ever asked the Lord to forgive you of your sins never asked Jesus in your in your life as as Lord and as Savior asking him to forgive you of all, all of your sins then today may I would hope would be the day of salvation for you that today this moment you wouldn't waste another moment that right now you would just ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins and to be your Lord and to be your Savior if you believe that he is the son of God, that he died for your sins, that he was buried and on the third day rose from the grave, and today sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for you and I, you believe in him, then repent of your sins and come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. For, this, for, for with this you will have a new heart, you will have a new life, you will have new desires, just as many around you can attest to. And I pray that you would come to this place. Otherwise, you are dead in your sins. And I can tell you that what awaits you are the very words that Jesus spoke about at the end of this chapter. There is a place reserved for Satan and his demons. But everyone who rejects Jesus Christ will join them. There is a real place called hell. Just as there is a real place called heaven. And I'm not saying this to scare the hell out of you, so to speak. I'm telling you this because it's reality. It's reality. Choose today whom you will serve. And I pray it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for, oh, Lord, your love, your grace, salvation. Lord, it doesn't come by any, any work that we can muster up, anything that we can do but it's through the finished work of the cross. I just pray, Lord, that you would have mercy on us. Help us to walk uprightly before you as your people. And I do pray for anyone who's here that does not know you as Lord and Savior that today would be the day of salvation. They would surrender their hearts to you, completely their lives, and come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I just give you all the praise and all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray.